we're continuing on our series tonight. But hey, I, I just wanted to share, uh, not, not just for the sake of being relevant, but just I believe that God was speaking some things to my heart this week um, concerning uh, just what's going on in our nation and just, you know, all the tragedies um, that, that's happened. You know, we, the thing in Boston happened, I believe it was on Monday, and then just a couple of days later, the things that happened just, you know, like less than 60 miles south of here in, in, uh, at this fertilizer plant in West. And, uh, you know, when tragedy like this happens, it sticks to us. You know what I'm saying? It's like these are the things that, that we hear about in the news, and we remember exactly where we were at. Right, we remember the moment that it happened, and and it marks our heart in such a way that w- that we never that our life is totally altered by these moments that occur in our life. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, most of us can remember on seven on on uh, September 11th where we were at. We can we can remember specifically the couch that we were sitting on or the office chair whenever we heard the news, whenever we saw the buildings, when we saw this tragedy unfold before our eyes. All across the world, people's lives were transformed forever because of a certain tragedy that happened. Um, On January 28th in 1986, there was a space shuttle that took off called the Challenger. And I was in the fifth grade. And I remember that all these kids, we were, and this is, as far as I can remember, this is the moment that that tragically marked my, my, my heart for the first time. I remember being in the fifth grade, and, and I remember uh, our, a lady coming into the room. One of the teachers came into the room, and she was kind of hectic looking. She was freaking out, and she told our teacher, okay, we're bringing all the, all the children into one classroom. So all the kids in the fifth grade went to one classroom, and we were watching, a TV, watching the TV, and we could see uh, you know, shots of the Challenger taking off, and then 73 seconds into its launch, uh, seven people were killed in this in this uh, space shuttle. Now it was tragic to us all as kids. I was in the fifth grade. I remember very specifically. It feels like it was like a year ago to me in some ways. Like I can still connect with emotions that I had in those in those moments. I can remember in 1981 when Ronald Reagan there was an assassination on him, but it didn't mark me. Are you with me? Like I remember it. But I don't remember where I was. I just remembered that it happened. But here, several years later, this thing happened that was tragic on our nation. And the reason why it was so tragic for us as fifth graders is because one of the people that was on that the Challenger spaceship or space shuttle, spaceship, was, was this lady that was a teacher, Right? One of the ladies was a teacher. In fact, she, she, had, she went through the training and all this kind of stuff, but she was just a normal person. And as kids, we could connect with this woman because she was just like the ladies that we saw every day. So this moment, man, kids were crying and teachers were crying, and we were so connected, you know, to these people that we didn't even know. And um, I remember in, in, in such a way, you know, just watching this coverage and seeing this speech you know, space shuttle blow up and going, oh my gosh, you know, here's this lady. This could have been our teacher. Do you know that she was one lady out of 1,100 teachers that, that signed up for this thing? She was the one that got selected. And, uh, and again, we all remember September 11th. I remember sitting on my couch. I remember, uh, actually, it was Chris Estrada uh, who I spent the morning with. I remember he called me on the phone. He's like, did you hear about the trade towers? I was like, no. He's like, go turn your TV on. And I, and I woke up and uh, and I went in. I was sleeping in late that day, 
And um, I remember not going. I just sat down on my couch. And I was actually going through a very personal tragedy in my life. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But I remember sitting there on that couch watching these buildings crumble before my eyes. And I remember the things that I feel. And I remember that, that it was so impacting that I knew in that moment that I would never be the same. Some people... They won't have the connection to that moment like I would or that you would. In fact, all these things that happen, maybe the thing in Boston, you connect with, you know, people that are runners, they connect with that more than other people. And I'm not saying that, you know, an emotion is right or wrong because of that. But what I'm talking about tonight is the connection that we have and the impact that these moments have in our life. And, um, so moments, these are not just moments that we have that we feel good about because there's other memories that we have that could have been very tragic or, or, or very exciting in our life, but they don't mark us in a way. They might have brought extreme joy. You might have even cried when it happened, but it doesn't mark you in such a way. And then there's the pleasurable moments that we have, right? The first time that that person that you admire so much tells you that they love you, right? And you hear that for the first time and it just marks you and you always remember that moment. You and that couple always remember the first time that you said that. I, I remember the first time that I, I started making advancements towards Leslie. It was on AOL Instant Messenger, you know, because I'm just, I don't have that kind of swag to just go up and talk to a girl. And I remember, I remember t- tech. Uh, talk, not texting her, but typing on my computer, talking to her about, you know, a possibility and all these things. I remember seeing her the next day as she was working at the church that I was working at. And I remember seeing her and being completely embarrassed. And I remember these moments because these are the moments that define us. These are the moments that really transform our life. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not just using that as, as fodder for a message, but what I'm talking about tonight is moments that really transform our lives. And, uh, it's, it's crazy, but the difference is, the difference between the moments that really transform us and the moments that just pass by are, um, the, the only difference really is our connection with it. Like, how connected are we? Like with our, our kids, we love our kids. They're great kids, but they don't, they don't really understand tragedy like that happened in Boston or it happened in West. I mean, they might think, oh my gosh, that's sad, but it's not really something that's marking their lives. Are you with me? And so we have the, these, uh, moments, you know, um, Some of you have already experienced this. When you have your first child, you know, whenever you say your wedding vows, these are the things that really, man, they're like, oh, like, I mean, this is like epic, you know, and they're, they're so life transforming, you know, and I, and I think about scripture and scripture is written about people that had these kind of moments. They were about people they didn't just have a great tragedy happen in their life or have a real exciting thing happen in their life. They had these events with God. And once this event happened, everything changed. You know, we think of Paul. Everything happened. His name changed. His whole identity changed because he was on his way to kill more Christians. And then, boom, Jesus shows up and he has this encounter. Marked forever, forever transformed. We see him mention those things again in Scripture. These are things that he, that he would hold dear in his heart. We see in the Old Testament when things would happen, what would they do? They would go and they would win a victory. And what they do? They'd build an altar. They would build a monument. They would say, this was the place where God gave his victory. Why? Because these are the moments that define who we are. These are, these are the moments that come in and, and establish from this point forward. Everything was this way, and then everything was this way. If you talk to people that have lost a child, their, their life is broken up in two segments. Their life is broken up before their child uh, passed away, and their life is marked after that. So we have, we all have defining moments that, that, that things are transformed. The difference in Scripture is that these people had these moments with God. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm not content to live my life with just having a couple of little goosebumps during church. Because those aren't the things that transform my life. Are you with me? What transformed my life is every night going and Jesus breathing life into me when I was in my bed searching for him for three months. Those are the events that marked me whenever he was whispering me, whenever he was giving visions to me, whenever I was seeing all this radical things happening in my life with someone that was just after Jesus and saying, God, show me who you are. Those are the things that mark us, that take us from glory to glory, from level to level where we'll never, ever be the same. And listen, we need to be having moments all the time. Come on, we need to be content for those things but there are these monuments if you will that we just they're like markers they're just like boom and that happened and it was just like i was okay and then boom this happened and oh man i was not okay for a long time i was not okay because of this moment right and so we, we our life is really structured not necessarily built but structured upon these things um and again, scripture, so much written about people like that. Listen, exp- memories are very, very, very powerful. They're a very powerful thing. And we, we know their power usually because of negative memories, right? We know that we're controlled. We know that our fears uh, oftentimes are defined by bad memories that we've had, that experiences that were negative. They might not have been life-marking, you know, boom, big tragic things, but they are just the little things that happen that puts a memory in us and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. So I'll never do that again. Or I remember this. And oh, and I do remember that. So now I know I can do this because of this happened. So memories are very, 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 very powerful in our lives. They're one of the most powerful things that we have is the memories. One of the things that I love um, to say and one of the things that I love is as I, I love to tell people after I've been with them for a while and we've been doing this this thing called life together. I like to tell, man, I love, I love sharing history with you. I love that my life, that whenever I look at my life in five years from now, I love it that we can look back at moments like tonight. We can say, remember when there was like eight of us meeting in the sanctuary over at Overflow at that church over there on Matthew Street? Right? And I look forward to those moments, not, not because I'm looking beyond where we're at now, because I think import, it's important for these things to really mark us, and we have to embrace them for what they are right now. And, but the thing is, is I just love this thing of history and memories. The problem is, is if our dreams ever become bigger than our memories. That's the, ish, that's the problem. Is whenever we go, we can't dream anymore because of this. Oh, remember that? Remember when we went out and passed out 200 flyers and nobody showed up? Right? That kind of thing. So we can't, memories have this ability sometimes to control us. So it's very important for us as people that are in this race or these people, as we're people that are pursuing Jesus, it's very important that we learn to manage our memories in a powerful, in in, in a rightful way. Because if we're we're not, then they they can really be detrimental or very influential in a positive way to our future. Are you with me? And how many of you guys know that our forgetter doesn't work? Right? And that's not really a good thing. God, God's forgetter works. Our forgetter doesn't work. And, you know, we'll say things like, well, I forgive, but I'll never forget. It's like, well, then you don't forgive. And because when we, we, when we say that, we say it with a little bit of, you know, negativity. So what we want to do is we want to say, you know, I, I do remember that. And I do want to be uh, move forward with wisdom. But at the same time, I want to have a maintain a tender heart. Because I don't want to be jaded because someone jacked me around. Come on. Um. We've been talking about this scripture. Well, let me, before I say that, let me just say this. You know, there, there's people that, that come along and uh, 
I, I just had this thought. I felt like I needed to share it. I don't know about you, but I, I'm really interested in in doing things in my personal life that that create events or moments in people's lives. Like, it's really what I live for. I live for, like, bringing such an impact. Not that it's really me, but it's Jesus. But this is what the kingdom is. It's through us. But but doing things that that really transform history. And when we say that, we have such a big global scale. But, like, for me, like, I just want to see it in people's lives. Like, I want to see, like, the drug addict all of a sudden not be a drug addict anymore. I want to see the person that's walking around that battles depression not battle depression anymore. I want to see the person that can't walk walk again. I want to see that. That's what I live for. I live to see these moments where there was this was how life was and now this is the way life is because of Jesus and because of God's goodness. This is where I want to live. And so we have these people and you know sometimes you 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 go around and you listen to a bunch of sermons. You hear a lot more sermons about people that have made their impact worldly like people like Thomas Edison and you know all these people that had these great discoveries or you know people like Steve Jobs. Thank God for those people, but we shouldn't be writing books and managing our lives around people that had great innovations. I want to be, I want to be building my life on people that had great transformations because although like I appreciate it, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for their contribution to the world. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with great innovation in my life. I'm not, I'm not created. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in just being so creative that I can create something that's just going to make everybody's life just a little easier. Come on. I want to see transformation. I want to, I want to be like Martin Luther or Billy Graham. Come on. Charles Wesley. I want, I want to be like, I want to be like the Wesley brothers. I want to see revival. I want, I want to be like Smith Wigglesworth. I want to be somebody that transforms history because people are being transformed by Jesus through my life. This is what I want. So I'm not, I'm not, not just content with a good little innovation. And I hope you're not either. Because you can, you can be innovative, you can be creative, you can add your little thing. But really, all these people, they have the same thing in common, right? Whether it's Steve Jobs or Smith Wigglesworth, they have the same thing in common. Something was deposited in them, and then they deposited what they had, right? And I believe that there were moments that happened. I believe that when Steve Jobs thought up the iPhone, if it was his idea, it probably was, he was a genius, it's a genius thing. They call the people that those places genius. Anyway, so I can imagine Steve Jobs is laying in bed one night and he has this idea. Right? Innovation. It's great. I'm interested more than that. Not, in, not innovation, transformation. Come on. So they, they, this deposit that they make to the world are because a deposit was made in them. So we're talking about our heart. We're talking about our heart being the wellspring of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. And do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them. And health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So, if the paradigm is everything I do flows from my heart, 
Ben, I need to have these heart events, these things, these eternal events happen in my life in order for transformation to come. Are you all with me tonight? And, uh, you know, I, I really did. I, I, I was kind of taking the week off. I was thinking, well, not really taking the week off, but I was like planning this message that I'd already preached. It's kind of like a life message that I could preach any day, but I felt like it was a really good time for it. And I sat down to study and, and uh, I was talking to some of the guys today at this conference because I knew I was going to be preparing for the conference. I knew it was going to be war. I was like, well, I'll just preach something. I preached a whole bunch because, you know, I'm going to be tired. And then I started studying. And then Jesus started giving me revelation, and I was like, oh, great. And I was going to be grind attached to it. <laughs> so here I am, and I've got all this stuff. So tonight, I, w- I want to share a little bit, but, it, but it's kind of like I'm preparing a meal for the first time, you know, and it's like I don't have a recipe. It's like I have all the ingredients out, and so I'm just going to kind of add it in as we go, but it's all here. Like, I've done the prep work. I've put the grind in, but I, but I, I wanted to give you tonight what I really felt like the word of the Lord is for the hour, um, talking about full hearts that are full because they've been marked. And there's really three elements, three things that really mark our heart. And the first thing that marks our heart is the word. And I know you're thinking, well, that's deep. (laughs) No, the word. When we read the word of God, it marks our heart. It might not be like super eventful, but man, I've been reading scripture lately and it is super eventful. Like I read it and I'm like, pow, you know, it's like, boom, there it is. I never seen that before. Right. And I'm all like freaking out on it. And, uh, one of the, one of the guys that I think about in scripture who, who the word of God really marked his heart was a guy by the name of Jeremiah. And, uh, if you read the book of Jeremiah in chapter one, verse four, it says for the first time, the word of the Lord came to me. Do you have that one for right there? The word of the Lord came to me. And I can tell you that countless times after verse one, uh, chapter one, verse four, it says the word of the Lord came and the word of the Lord came and the word of the Lord came. And did you know that in Jeremiah chapter one, verse six, I believe it's not up there, but Jeremiah says this. He says, Lord, who am I? I can't speak. I'm only a child. I'm just kind of illiterate. I can't really talk very good. Lord, what are you doing coming to me? Why are you speaking these things to me? He says this in Jeremiah chapter 1. If you're familiar with the story, he's like, God, I can't even speak. But it says time after time after time, again, in the book of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me. So here's a man that couldn't speak, who couldn't do anything with the word of God that was coming to him. And the word was coming, and he was just receiving it. But he was saying, I can't speak the word. Lord, why are you giving it to me? You're calling me a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I can't say anything. I'm just, I'm just a young dude that's illiterate, and I can't really speak very well. And God's like, The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Still speaking to him, even in his inability, God was still giving him the thing to say. It just keeps on giving it. The word of the Lord, the word, you read it. It's like, I I was going to count it. I was going to count it so I could tell you how many times. I got sick of counting. Like I was like, count. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done counting. Countless times, literally countless. They're probably not countless, but you know, for me it was countless, (laughs) right? Then he says this in verse, in chapter 15, verse 16, he says, when your words came, I ate them. Now there's this whole thing in scripture about eating the scroll. I'm not going to get into it tonight. It's pretty deep, but, um, we'll, we'll shy away from that. He says, I ate them and they were a joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name. Oh God. He, first of all, he's saying, God, 
I can't even share your word. He's like, your word came and I consumed it. I took it in. And then one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. When here's a prophet who's out preaching, it's so moving to me. This guy is out preaching, his guts out, can't get one conversion. They're locking him up. They're locking him up because he's, he's preaching all this, like he's preaching devastation is what he's preaching. One of the reasons why I didn't want to say anything because it's all so negative. God's just like, you're screwed up, people. Like he's, God's pretty like ticked. And so Jeremiah's been locked up in bonds. They put him in these, like you guys have seen this like wood. It's got three holes in it, two for your hands and one for your head. And he's been locked up and they release him. It's right after that they release him in verse 9 and this is what he says. He said, but if I say... I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name. His word was in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I can't. Here was a man at one point in his life that said, I can't say anything. And now he's saying, I can't freaking shut up. Lock me up, throw me, throw away the key. But I got a fire inside of me, a fire of the word of God, and I can't keep my mouth shut. So lock me up, do with me whatever you have to do. I can't be silent. I'm weary of holding it in. I can't. Pretty good for a guy that was like, I can't do anything. I can't say anything. He was marked by the word. Marked by the word over and over and over again until he consumed it and it became who he was. Love that. Jesus talking about the word. John chapter 5, verse 31. Y'all okay tonight? <clears throat> For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, which I am doing, testifies that the Father sent me. Everybody say, bears witness. Okay, um, I used to hear this word a lot. We're going to talk about it. In, now, the word here is, says testify. Okay, right? Testifies that the Father sent me. Now, Jesus, in the, old, in the King James Version, the word is bears witness. I used to hear this word all the time when I was in church. When I was a kid, I got saved. And the people would say that, bears witness. I was like, what the heck does that mean? Bears, bears witness? What does that mean? What they meant was inside was a witness. What inside was a voice declaring something. And so when Jesus says this, I actually like the King James language now. I hated it then because I was like, I don't know. What does that mean? Bears, bears witness. Bears. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what that meant. But it contains the witness. Or people would talk about the witness of the spirit. And so Jesus is kind of using this terminology, but he breaks it down and he says, Testimony. I'm going to talk about, break that word down in just a minute. He says, which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has testified, bears witness concerning me. Me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Nor does the word dwell in you. Oh. For you do not believe the one he has sent. You diligently, here it is, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you may possess eternal life. Whoa. 
Jesus is like, you know the word, you know the scripture, because you think they possess life. These are the scriptures that bear witness about me. Yet, you refuse to come to me and receive life. So Jesus is like, you've been marked by the word, but you refuse to come to me and have life. That word, bear witness, the word testify, is a word that we also see in Scripture called witness, and the word is like marteo, something like that. It's in, it's in the Greek. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'll pronounce it wrong. It's so funny when people like don't know Greek and they're like saying the Greek words and like they're butchering it, and so I, I try not to butcher it. But the word is actually where we get the word martyr, but it means a witness with evidence. Evidence. Okay, now, evidence is different than a hunch, right? Because when I've always heard this word bears witness, it was kind of like, I have a hunch. The, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in me that you have, this is kind of the way it was, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in me that you have this struggle in your life. That's kind of the way the word was used. So, listen, with this whole thing about bearing witness, and testifying, there's no like middle, if you will. There's no like guesswork. Are you okay? I'm kind of like zoning out. Listen, a witness with evidence. So it's like the dude walks into the courtroom and he has the videotape. Hardcore evidence. Not guesswork. Evidence. So Jesus says this. He says, the scriptures are evidence of me. They bear witness. They evidence. They reveal. They expose who I am. They bear witness. So from now on, when you see the word testify in scripture, think. Witness with evidence. Not a witness with a good story. Not a witness with something he's just not really sure about. A witness with evidence. 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 I don't know about you, but that's what we've been talking about, right? The reality of Jesus, the reality, real, not just scripture, because we think that in them they possess life. We love scripture. We love the word of God. We consume it. It's our core. Everything in our life is based upon it. But in them and of the cells, they're just ink on a paper. We have to come to him for life. So Jesus says this. John 6, 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus is saying the words that I'm speaking aren't like the Bible that you guys are carrying around. Okay? He says the words, they're not just ink on a paper. The words that I'm speaking to you are spirit, they are pneuma, and they are life. Okay, now again, this is kind of all like on the table. I'm putting it together. So the first thing we have, first thing that marks our heart is the word. We got to have that, right? The second thing we got to have is the spirit. John 14, 25, we love this scripture. We love to use it when we're going through something difficult, right? The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. The counselor. 
Now, Jesus used, we don't think of it this way, but Jesus, a lot of his ministry, when he's talking, it was like he was in a courtroom, right? So when he's saying this word, testify, he's like, here it is, a guy that showed up in the courtroom, and he had evidence, a witness with evidence, a testimony of when someone comes in and they share their testimony in a courtroom, it's a witness with evidence, right? The word here, counselor, in some translations says advocate, Okay, that's a little closer to the, uh, the mindset there for us, or counselor, your counselor, right, in the courtroom, right? We think counselor, it's like, all oh, the one that just makes me feel good. Yes, that too. But the word in the Greek is actually paraclete, or parakletos is what it is in the Greek, and it means one that comes alongside. So it's the one that comes alongside, but it's not just the one that comes and that is there, but it's also one who bears witness, one who bears evidence. My words are spirit. They are life. They are truth, but they have the pneuma on them. That's good. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Okay. I know this is kind of deep tonight. I'm here going, okay, am I getting this? He will teach you all things. And check this out. Then he says this, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remind you. Now that word in the Greek, I, I'm, I'm really not into like, because I think people do injustice sometimes by doing this. But that word remind in the Greek actually means quietly reminds. So he says the Holy Spirit, the one who's in you, in there with court, who has evidence, substance, is there and he quietly reminds you. Right? Come on. The image here, listen, if, if you study the Greek, which I did this week, because I was getting like hammered with this as I was reading it, I was like, what the heck? This is so good. I just wanted an easy message, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. And so I'm reading this, and I started studying this word that's remind, and it's really hard to say. I'm not going to try and say it. But the word there it comes from two words, and one of the words is the word remnant. Now, if you know what a remnant is, remnant is like leftover, okay? God loves leftovers. In fact, he says that God, God has chosen in, uh, in Romans chapter 5, he says that, that there is a remnant that God has chosen. God always chooses the remnant. God always chooses the one that's, that's left out that nobody expects to, to succeed, all those kind of things. God just picks remnants. That's what he does. But so when it says this, remnant, it's actually not really talking about that, but it's like the residue, so it's like this. It's like I drink coffee every day, right? I love coffee. I like the way it makes me feel when I drink it. Not, it doesn't make me real high energy. I just like the warmth and, you know, I just, I just love it. It's just what I do. It's like Josh Brown's thing. He drinks coffee. He likes dark coffee, all that kind of stuff. That was creeping me out. It's because I was preaching too long. So that word remind, let me get back to this. Well, it tripped me out. That word, <laughs> that word remind is like when I drink my coffee and I put it down and I come back like two hours later, I look in that cup and there's a residue in there. There's like a little bit of leftover coffee that I, was, that I got robbed of, right? <laughs> so this is like this little ring kind of in the bottom and it's there and it's darkened the cup. 
So when it says the Holy Spirit reminds you, it's the residue there. It's like this permanent marking, if you will, because we're talking about having marked hearts tonight. It's this marking that the Holy Spirit does. So he quietly reminds you, but he leaves a deposit. So he's not just like nudging you. He's like nudging you. It's the residue. It's the permanent. It's the, the leaving there. Yes, oh, this isn't too deep tonight. And so what he's doing, he's saying, look, I'm marking your heart, and I'm reminding you that I'm marking your heart. And I'm marking your heart, and I'm reminding you, and this is why I believe in Scripture where it says that we are going from glory to glory. We are going level to level. And so what God is doing is he's doing this in your life, and he's building a monument. And then you move up, and you're on the next level, and you're in the next place, and God's building a monument. And then he's building on that, and he's going next. But the thing is, is what God is doing is he's putting the power inside of us to where these memories, like we've been talking about tonight, these memories are actually really transforming our lives in a good way. And we're not looking back and see what, what happened to me whenever I came into the church 20 years ago is what happened to me is there were these, all, all, all the people that were solid, all the people that really loved Jesus were old, bitter people. And they were like, oh, if it could just be the way it used to be. Oh, if you would have saw the revival, if you would have saw the church, what happened? Their memories got greater than their vision. Their memories got greater than their dreams. And they, 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 they not just built, they didn't just build an altar, they worshiped the altar. They say, I, this is what I like. This is what I'm going to stay. I'm not going to move on. I'll just, I'll just camp out right here for the rest of my life. And so when the new move of God comes, trust me, I have to do it all the time. Because it's hard not to go, man, I'm telling you, when I came to Jesus, it was like intense. And it's hard not to compare the next move of God to the current move of God. But it's the move of God, so you better get on it. And you better run with it. And you never quit saying, oh, it was so good here. It was so good there. Well, where are you at? And where has God planted you? And you better embrace it now because the Holy Spirit is putting residue on you. Don't worship the altar. Worship on the altar, but don't worship the altar. And that's what happens. These people would go in. They possess land. They would set up the altar. And then someone else would come along, and they would live there. And they would worship the altar. And they would never possess what was next. And I don't want to be an altar worshiper. I don't want to worship a movement. I love great ministries. But I don't want to be a worshiper of ministries per se. I want to be a worshiper of Jesus. What do you have for me? So. (laughs) We have the word. Hearts that are marked by the word. Number two, words that are marked by the spirit. And there's such this great connection between the word and the spirit. Because without the spirit, the word is dull and boring. And without the word, the spirit is loopy and flaky, right? There's no structure. So we've got to have this like both. But there's another element. And it really goes along with everything we're talking about. And that's the presence. The presence of Jesus the tangible, the witness with evidence. We've got to have the one there with us doing it. There's these guys, two disciples, right after Jesus rose from the dead. And they hadn't known yet that Jesus rose from the dead. And they're walking to this town called Emmaus. And Jesus 
it, it, it's, it's cool because Scripture says that Jesus, um, like, hid his identity from them. So I don't know how he did that. I don't know, like, if he, you know, was wearing, like, a hoodie or something, you know, and kind of covering his face or a ball cap, you know, or whatever. I don't know what he did to conceal his identity, but he says he, he, he concealed his identity. I actually believe that, that Jesus probably looked a little different after the resurrection than he did before the resurrection, but that's, that's another subject. But so here's Jesus walking with these guys. It said that he hid his identity from these guys, so he didn't know who he was. And they were, they were talking among themselves, and they were like, oh, man. And, and then he was like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, have you not heard Jesus? We thought he was the Messiah, and he did all these great things. He did miracles and all this kind of stuff. And now he's dead. He's dead. It's all over. It was a hoax or believing a lie. And then he basically, Jesus rebukes them. And then they're like, well, hey. And then, so they're like, hey, why don't you come with us? to where we're going. We're going to go eat with, with some of the people that were following Jesus. And they, they don't know that this guy's Jesus. I mean, they're kind of like stirred. Their hearts are stirred up and they go and they sit down at the table and Jesus is there. Now he hasn't revealed himself. And it says this in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 30. It says, when he is at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. So they start eating. Then it says this in verse 31. It says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks, Jesus. And then they said this. This is like huge scripture. I love this. They said this. Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road, and he opened the scriptures to us. Were our hearts not moved here Jesus was with us the whole time. Remember when it was bearing witness with our spirit? I can tell you that these disciples, they went and they transformed the world. The world was totally changed because I believe this conversation they had with Jesus. They had the word. They had the spirit. But they had the presence. They had this mad encounter with Jesus, and their lives were never the same. They had this other element. Listen, I'm not talking tonight, again, about building monuments and worshiping them. We need to have monuments in our life. And they don't need to be just, remember when my son won his first t-ball game. That's awesome. Great. We love that. We want to celebrate life. We want to do that. Remember when I got the raise. Remember when I got this job. We love that. We want to celebrate. We believe that God sets those things up. We believe that God is blessing us in that. But I do not want my life to be simply when I get to the end of my life and say, man, remember when we accomplished this? Or remember when we grew the church and all these things? I want to mark my life. Peter. I'm like, remember when I was sitting in that room, Jesus, and you came and you started speaking to me and you started working on my heart and my life was totally changed? Remember Remember Jesus? And then we tell the stories and we're like, man, this is when that happened in my life. And then there was another, and then we have a story to tell. This is how we develop history with Jesus. But you're never going to develop history with Jesus just because you have the Bible and just because you have scripture memorized. You're going to have history with Jesus because you have an encounter with the man himself. And the only way you're going to live without that is if you'll live without that. But for me, I'm not going to live without it. If you can live without Jesus, if you can live without encounters with Jesus, you will. You'll go to heaven 
It'll be good, you know, if you give your life to him. But me, I'm not going to live my life. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to go a year in my life without having God do something drastic in my life. Now, God is doing a work in my life all the time. Hopefully, he's doing a work in your life all the time. And we need to have that. But I'm talking about tonight these moments, these boom. These April 20th, 2013 moments where we're like, dang. Remember that? We will always be building on these moments. Listen, there's daily bread every day. We need, there's, God has provided something for you every day, daily bread every day. If you live off yesterday's manna, it's spoiled, it's rotten, it's going to jack you up. You've got to have daily bread. But listen, there are these things, these pivotal moments in our life.